Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Hey, well, good to see everyone. If you don't know me, like I said before, my name is Mason. I'm part of the team here at Resound. Jeez, you look good this morning, huh? Roy, look at you, mate. Got the tie on this morning. You look good. He's all look good this morning. I'm going to read uh, uh, just one verse, just to set the past, uh, just to set the premise of what I'm going to talk about this morning. I just want to read one verse just at the start. Romans fourteen seventeen. Romans fourteen seventeen. It says this: that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me read it one more time, just to get it in you, because if nothing else. At least we can say we got the word into you. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The title of my message this morning is Kingdom. Kingdom. And I really uh, just felt on my heart this morning to speak about the kingdom of God. To speak about the kingdom of God. Do you know, the church, meaning Christians, meaning the body of uh, believers, have actually done a lot of good in this world because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to. Who believes that? We have. The body of Christ has actually initiated and produced a lot of good in this world. Do you know universities were started by the church? because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to. Do you know hospitals were started by the church because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to? Orphanage is the same, started in the fourth century by the church. Why? Because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to. Some of the biggest charities in the world started and funded by the church. Why? Because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to. Even the local church. I was talking to a barber the other day who does not believe in Jesus, but he said, do you know what I believe? I believe that the local church is vital for every single community. It is. Why? Because what does the local church do? I, I'm, I'll tear the veil for you a little bit this morning. It's not just the Sunday morning service. This is a part of what we do, celebration service, but it's not all. We care for people. We feed people. We counsel people. We visit people in hospital. We marry people. We bury people. We train people. We equip people. We put on training events. We put on uh, marriage, pre-marriage courses. We put on uh, how to raise your kids courses. We, we run community events like the Christmas dinner. We volunteer for community events. The local church is vital in every community. And the reason it is, is because of the principles and the values of the kingdom that we belong to. And so then, for me, the question begs, well, what is the kingdom of God? Because when I got saved and walked into church, there was a lot of talk about the kingdom of God. But often I would get confused, right? Because the kingdom of God is twofold. It both is and it is to come. It has both been established and will be established. It is both now and will be. The kingdom of God is twofold. Can we just look at these first scriptures starting in Revelation 
They'll be on the screen, and I want you to see them all in. I messed the whole program up this morning because I put them all on the same slide. Look at that. Just so you can see it all in context. Revelation eleven fourteen. 14 is talking about a prophecy in the future. John's prophecy about the future says, Then the seventh angel blew the trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and he shall reign forever." And ever. In Hebrews chapter 11, when it's talking about parallels between Abraham and the promised land and Christians and the heavenly kingdom, it says, But as it is, they desired a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. In, in quoting, in, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, in quoting Isaiah's prophecy, partly referring to what Jesus has done, but also looking forward to a heavenly kingdom, it says, As it is written, no what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Mark chapter 14, at the last supper, Jesus is referring to the last great supper that comes at the end of time with his church. He says, truly I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So as Christians, we believe that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for the purpose of establishing his kingdom in a very real way here on earth. We believe in a kingdom that is to come, but we also believe in a kingdom that has already come. Can we put the next scriptures up? Luke chapter 17, when Jesus is being questioned about where where his kingdom is going to be established, understand that Jesus talked about a kingdom a lot. And so they were trying to trap him and they would say, well, when are you going to establish this kingdom? And Jesus says, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Some translations say among you. The kingdom of God is within you. Ephesians chapter 2. So now you Gentiles, non-Jewish people, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members. You are. You are members of the kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The kingdom of God is twofold. Yes, we believe in a kingdom that is to come when Christ returns, but we also believe that through the finished work of Jesus, He has already established that kingdom in the hearts and the minds of those who would call Him Lord. And so the kingdom is both established and will be established. Do you know the interesting thing about about what they believed the Messiah was going to do and be in the time that Jesus came was completely different than what he actually came and did. You see, they brought Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor, not because he broke Jewish laws. The Romans didn't care about that. They brought... Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor, because they were trying to set him up for treason, because Jesus kept talking about a kingdom that he was establishing now. And Pilate finds no fault in him. Why? Because he could not find any physical evidence of Jesus creating a kingdom now. So there was no fault in him. Why? Because people thought that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to be crowned with gold. He was going to be lifted up and exalted by by the people. He was going to be victorious in a battle and he was going to free them into the purposes and plans of God and he was going to sit on an earthly throne. 
The problem is that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was crowned with a crown of thorns. He was lifted up on a cross. He was victorious in death. And now he is seated in a heavenly throne and he rules and reigns in the hearts of those who call him Lord. All that to say this, Jesus did not come to defeat the enemy around us. He came to defeat the enemy within us. Because if he defeated the enemy within us, then he could build his kingdom within us. And if he built his kingdom within us, then you would actually be released into the plans and the purposes that God has for you. For that is the gospel, church, that there is a king that has come to set you free. Do you know the word gospel means good news? But it doesn't just mean any good news. It means specific good news. The word gospel historically only ever talked about when there was a new king. When a new king was born or a new king was established, that was the good news. That was the gospel. And so when a new king was born or a, king, a new king was established, they would send messengers out with the gospel. And the gospel messengers would run from the four corners of the kingdom, declaring the good news that there is a good king. That's why Isaiah writes, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. Because as the messengers would run, and to the four corners of the kingdom, declaring that there is a new king. When they got back, their feet would be bloodied and ripped and bruised. Translate that in today. How beautiful is the sacrifice of those who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ? How beautiful is the sacrifice? There is good news. And the good news this morning is this, that there is a king who's seated on a throne and he's come to set you free. He's come to set you free. You see, I think sometimes as Christians, we can get so caught up in the kingdom that is to come, particularly the last few years. With all this stuff happening, we kind of love that stuff as Christians. You've been a Christian long enough, you start to weird out on it and geek out on it. The kingdom that is to come, the signs of Jesus returning, interest rates are on the rise, they're forcing vaccines into us. What about Russia? What about China? What about all of it? What about Greta Thunberg? What about Donald Trump? Donald Trump's the Antichrist, Greta Thunberg's the Antichrist. What about climate change? And we spend all of our time as Christians drawing these beautiful mind mind maps between China and Russia and climate change and Donald Trump and Greta Thunberg. (laughs) Can I tell you, I have seen no one who gets so caught up in that produce fruit in the season that they're in. We would do better, church, to remember that the only way, let me just touch on this for a second. Do you know, the Bible is pretty clear that the return of Christ will come like a thief in the night. So that says to me that you won't expect it. But can I put you at ease? You're not going to miss it. (laughs) Rumor has it, it's going to be pretty big news. My wife could sleep through it, and she would, believe me. And it would still be on the page of every newspaper the next day, I'm sure. You would do better to spend your time realizing that the only way you can be ready for the kingdom that is to come is to align yourself with the kingdom that's already within you. 
So then, what is the kingdom of God and how do I align myself with it? Do you like movies? I'm a movie guy. I love movies. I've got two kids now still trying to stay up late and watch movies and it's always a mistake. I'm always exhausted and it's just, you know, I regret it in the morning. But I love movies. Let me say something super controversial. The greatest movies of all time. The greatest movies of all time is the extended edition of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The greatest movies of all time, extended edition, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Can I tell you just for a moment that if you have not seen the extended edition Lord of the Rings trilogy, you are missing out on life. For life and life in its abundance is found in those trilogies. I take that back. That's a heresy. That's, push that to the side for a second. They are the greatest movies of all time. I can still remember seeing them in the cinemas and having nightmares for weeks afterwards. They're the greatest movies of all time. The thing I love the most about Lord of the Rings is the universe of Lord of the Rings. I just love it. I love the kingdoms. I love the universes. I love the different races. You've got elves and men and dwarves and orcs. And, and there's all this, there's this big universe and kingdom that comes along with it. And I love it. And the greatest kingdom of all to me in the Lord of the Rings is the kingdom of Rohan. Otherwise known as the horse lords or the Rohirrim. It is the greatest kingdom in the Lord of the Rings. I remember when I saw... Uh, uh, the, uh, the riders of Rohan for the first time, the horse lords. In two towers, you know, their king is corrupted. And so they're like, we're not going to serve you king anymore. And so then they go off, but then the come, king comes good. And then they have to go to battle. But then they're like, we don't have enough people. And then they're like, well, then go and get the horse lords. And then Gandalf's like, I'll go and get them on the fifth light on the first day. Look to the east. So Gandalf goes and they go to battle and they're about to lose. But then they look to the east on the fifth light on the fourth day. They look to the east and there they are, the Rohirrim with Gandalf. And they come down and they wipe everyone out and it was amazing. And after I saw that, I was like, Mom, I need a Riders of Rohan costume. Please. I grew up um, on a horse adjustment. Not like as a horse in a paddock, but like, you know what I mean? Like I grew up, my house was on a, my mom worked, we, anyway, you know, you understand what I mean. I had this one horse. We had a few horses around the time. I had this one horse. His name was Lucky. He was a black Shetland pony. After I saw the two towers and got that costume, his name was not Lucky anymore. His name was Dark Shadow. And I used to ride Dark Shadow with that cape and that plastic sword. It's the best. And then the third movie came out. Oh my goodness, the third movie came out and everything's, they're about to lose and, and the writers of Rohan have to respond to Gondor's age and so they get the whole kingdom together and there's thousands of them but they're going up against an army of hundreds of thousands and they come up on the hill and there's no hope and there's thousands of them like, good, but then the king's like, we're going to go anyway. And they all put their spears out and the king holds his sword up and he runs along the front of them and he's like, right now, right now, for Rohan and for Gondor and they ride in and there's no hope but they're doing it anyway and that was it the next day I saddled up the mighty Shetland pony 
my sister tells this story of like, she had a few friends over and then they look out the window and there's me. <laughs> Jeez, we went deep then. I wasn't expect. I just get so excited talking about the Lord of the Rings. You know, the only reason I said all that is just to say every kingdom is different. <laughs> I told you we went deep. Every kingdom is different. In the Lord of the Rings, every kingdom is different. Uh, uh, but when you're in a kingdom, you're in it fully. They've, each kingdom has different values. Each kingdom has different principles. Each kingdom has a different way of life. Each kingdom has a, even a dress in the Lord of the Rings. That's why I couldn't saddle up Lucky with a, you know, a bath towel and a stick. I had to have a cape and things because every kingdom is different. And when they were in a kingdom, they were in it fully. Say that to say this, the kingdom of God is different from any other kingdom that you know on this earth. It is different. It is upside down. The kingdom of God is different from the kingdom that you came out of. And it's different from the kingdom that surrounds you today. The kingdom of God is different. In Luke chapter 22, it's the last supper. Jesus drops a bomb on his followers, on his disciples. One of you is going to betray me. Then they get in an argument. The Bible says a dispute broke out amongst them. Now, they're only men, so you can understand why, right? They would have started with, you know, I'm not going to betray Jesus. I'm not going to betray Jesus. And then all of a sudden that moves to, I'm not going to betray Jesus because I'm the greatest. How could I betray Jesus? And I bet you it started from Peter. And Peter was like, I'm not going to betray Jesus. I'm the greatest. I walked on water. You mean you sank on water? Nobody asked you, Philip. (laughs) And then John pipes up, well, I'm a son of thunder. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily a good thing. Who are you, Bartholomew? Jesus doesn't even know who you are. Has anyone seen Judas? You know, they're just going at each other. And so they finally come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we're we're having an argument. Who's going to be the greatest? Because it's not going to be me who betrays you because I've done all this. And someone else says, I've done all this. And Bartholomew says, I don't even really know why I'm here. But (laughs) Christian jokes, you know. But they're like, well, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus flips their entire idea of who the greatest is on its head because they are looking at, who the greatest is through a worldly kingdom lens. And remember, the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom that you came out of. So Jesus says this, the greatest in my kingdom is the last. For in my kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. He poses to him a question. He says, who's greater? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves the table? They say, well, I guess it's the one who sits at the table. He says, no, in my kingdom, it's the one who serves at the table is greater. What's he doing? He's setting up a new kingdom in their hearts, new principles, new values, a new way to live. No, it's the one who serves. In my kingdom, the greatest is not the one who is loved, but who loves. In my kingdom, the greatest is not the one who is honoured, but honours. In my kingdom, the, one, the greatest is not who is rich, but who is generous. He is switching their idea of kingdom on its head. And we need to understand as believers today that you cannot carry two kingdoms in your heart. 
For if Jesus sits at the throne of your heart and rules and reigns in your life, we are to align ourselves not with the kingdom of this world, but with the kingdom that he is establishing within us, which is a lot of the times upside down. You want to know why I believe the church, the body of believers has done so well in the world and and created so much good in the world? Because of that, the values and the principles that we now carry as a new kingdom. It's been flips upside down and the world goes, hey, that's really good. We'll take that. And on the flip side, when the church hasn't done so good, when a local church hasn't done so good, or, you know, the church at large hasn't done so good in the world, you can always kind of trace it back to a losing of the values and the principles of the kingdom that we belong to. We start to act like the kingdom of this world, but we are completely different. So the first thing you need to know about aligning yourself with the kingdom of God is that it is different from the kingdom that you're coming out of. It's different from the kingdom of this world. Oftentimes it's opposite and completely upside down completely upside down. Do you know, one of the things I think that sets kingdoms apart is culture. It's culture. For I believe that culture, you know, will set, a good culture will set principles and values. A bad culture will eat the principles and values that you're trying to set alive for breakfast. But a good culture will set principles and values. So then the question is now, what is the culture of heaven? What is the culture of the kingdom of God? For if we are trying to align ourselves with the principles and the values of the kingdom of heaven that is being established inside of us, can I tell you the quickest way to do that is to understand what the culture of heaven is and live your life accordingly. What's the culture of heaven? Well, we read it at the start. We can put Romans back up, the first scripture we read at the start. It's coming. There it is. You see here, Paul is talking to the Romans because he's saying, hey, listen, people are looking at you and seeing no difference to the world because you're arguing about things that earthly kingdoms argue about. You're arguing about things that, you know, everyone argues about, about food and what to eat and what's a good holiday and all that. He's saying people are looking at you and seeing no difference. And then he says this right in the middle, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom that you belong to, the kingdom that now rules and reigns in your heart is not a matter of eating and drinking. And we could add a lot of things in there. It's not a matter of Money. It's not a matter of what you wear. It's not. A, you could add heaps of things. It's not a matter of of power. In fact, the world would say the powerful are the greatest. But Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. For that is, the, that is the culture of heaven. That is the culture of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. For if we are to align ourselves with the kingdom of God, we are to align ourselves with righteousness, peace, and joy. And all of these things are twofold as well. Because all of these things are given by God, but should also be pursued by us as well. For righteousness, for you can do, you cannot do enough good things to be good enough or righteous enough for God. For the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible says that His righteousness is credited to us 
So through faith, by grace, through faith, his righteousness is credited to us. So you cannot do enough good things to be righteous for through the finished work of Jesus and through our faith, his righteousness is credited to you. You are in right standing today, not because of anything that you have done, but because of what he has done on the cross. That is to say this, his love for you is more than you could ever do for him. So as a Christian, what does that mean to pursue righteousness? Well, it means this. It doesn't mean I do righteous things, therefore I am righteous. That's not how the kingdom of heaven works. It is, I am righteous through the blood of Jesus. I am righteous, so I act righteous. You see how it's flipped. And so there are right things in the eyes of God to do. There are, to forgive quickly, to love people, to care for the orphan and the widow and the broken, to be hospitable, to encourage people to work hard, to be generous. There are things that we should pursue in our lives, values and principles that come from righteousness. But it is, I am righteous, therefore I act righteous, not I act righteous, therefore I am righteous. It's the other way around. Peace. Peace is given. For the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, will rest on your heart. So Christ has come to give us peace, but we should also pursue peace. We should also be peacemakers. That means what? That means forgiving people who tick you off. That means being kind to people. That means making peace. That means bringing peace. That means being a person of peace. And that means on your online life as well. Because sometimes we separate the two. And for some of you, it doesn't matter. For others, you know, just because you're online and you've made a burner account and you're just ripping people online and and going ham, God still sees. We live in an interesting dynamic today where where our online life is separate from our living life and we can be one way online and we can be another way in person. That used to not be the way. Who you were was who you were, but now we can be two separate people. I don't know why I'm even going here, but can I just say, you should still carry righteousness, peace and joy in your online life as well. In your online life as well. For you are not two separate people. God does not view you that way. You are one. So keep them one. I don't know why I said that, but that's for somebody. You can have it for free. Joy. There's too many serious Christians. There is. And it frustrates me. I still remember my first day in church. The greatest stood at the door like this. Welcome to another service. Do you know what I mean? There's too many serious Christians. We take our, our stuff so seriously. It's like, hmm, we're going to be grumpy. It's too many. Listen, the world needs to see the joy that is in your heart. 
for we should be joyful. For one third of the culture of, king, of the kingdom of heaven is joy. That is in the same sentence as righteousness. Some of us think, oh, we've got to be righteous, man. We've got to be righteous, man. We've got to be righteous, man. I've got to be righteous. Yeah, but you also have to be joyful. Smile once in, once in a while. Let your hair down if you have any hair. Wayne's past that point. Listen, enjoy life. Be hospitable to people. Have people around in your home. Have them around at your table and have fun. Talk, laugh, make a joke. From day one standing on stages, I've always made jokes. If you think I'm going to stop, I'm not. I love it too much. I love making jokes. Smile. It's a good day. Jesus is on the throne. It's joy. The reason I say this is because there is a world that is looking for an answer. If you understand something about the climate of the world today, it is completely confused and messed up and everybody's looking for answers and it's the information age. So everyone's going deep and intellectual and trying to find all these answers. Can I tell you, it's the same thing that was happening in the church in Rome is that people were looking in and seeing no different. Why would I come to church? They're as grumpy as me. Why would I come to church? They're as loose as me. Why would I come to church? They worry and stress about everything. They suck energy out of me, these Christians. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. So be right before God. Carry peace and be a peacemaker. And do it with a light spirit. For Jesus would have been the lightest person that you've ever met as he walked and he talked and he taught. So this week, your assignment is this, smile, (laughs) for this is the day that the Lord has made. Can I just touch on one more thing? You know the fast song we do at the start? That's not just like, oh, well, we better do a fast song so people can come in late to church. We don't do that. We do that because joy is a part of the kingdom of God. And we should celebrate the good things that God has done. We should clap our hands. The Bible says to shout to the Lord. And I know some of you don't want to shout, that's fine. But if it says to shout to the Lord. It says to clap our hands. You know, coming together hands has always been a sign of agreement. Shaking hands, agreement. Coming together, agreement. As you clap, you're agreeing with what is happening with the words on the screen. We don't just do that just to pass the time. We do that because the Bible says we enter His courts with praise and thanksgiving. And if you want something to shift in your life, then you need to come into His courts. For the King has all power and all authority. The King has what you need, but we enter it with joy. We enter His courts with joy. The band could come back up because I'm almost done. There's two things I just really want to just touch on. And this, you know, I'm just going to touch on it. There's two things I really want to touch on. And I know I'm still kind of new, so some of you probably hate me right now, but it's all good. There's two things I want to touch on. 
Two other things that a kingdom have. It has a culture, right? And we should align ourselves with culture. So stop worrying so much about the kingdom that is to come. The only way you can worry and be ready for the kingdom that is to come is to align yourself with the kingdom that's within you. How do you do that? Righteousness, peace, and joy every day. I'm going to live my life with righteousness. I'm going to live my life with peace. And I'm going to live my life with joy. There's two other things that every kingdom has. Commands and a king. Commands and a king. I just want to touch on two commands. Is that cool? There is a command in the Bible that we should not give up meeting together. The church should not give up meeting together. Corporately, together, togetherness, whatever you want to call it. The church should not give up meeting physically, in person, together. COVID's done an interesting thing. It's created online church, which has its place to everyone watching online. (laughs) And it's amazing. If you miss a service, you know, you can catch up online. If you're away, you can be a part of the family so you can watch. But online, can I just say, I have to say this. I feel like God's put it on on my heart, you know, just to tell people this so you can regard it like... Online church will never replace in-person church. It won't. It won't. Why? Because if you sit at home in your pajamas, you're not actually the church. Because the church is, is the body of believers. And so the church is not a building. I get that. But either the church is not a single person out there on their own either. The church is the body of believers. And everyone says, well, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to come to this building to be the church. Well, you have to be a part of community and the church, the body of believers to be a part of the church. And it just so happens that the church meets at the church. So you are the church when you're at church. And we've had two years of running online church. And I don't see any church movement across the world that has thrived and prospered because of it. It is not the answer. The answer is believers like in Rome, getting together in the room, meeting together, worshipping God, rubbing each other up the wrong way so you can practice forgiveness, encouraging each other. We cannot give up meeting together for as the world is confused, they are looking for the body of believers, for the church. Don't give up meeting together for in days ahead, you, will, you might just need it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, his kingdom's in this room together. We're all citizens of his kingdom. And all these things will be added onto you. I tend to think that's because if we're a part of the church and in His kingdom and a citizen of kingdom, if everyone's living with righteousness, peace and joy, we'll be okay. Because when we're in need, someone will give. When we need encouragement, someone will encourage. When you, when you like, and then God will use you to encourage someone else, to give when someone else is in need. And all of these things will be added onto us. The other thing is, the other command is simply to go. Go and preach the gospel. Can I tell you, now is the time not to be timid in our faith, 
but to be bold in our faith and share the fact that there is a good God that is for people and He loves people and there is a new kingdom and God died to set them free. Now is the time. How beautiful is the sacrifice of those who carry the gospel. How beautiful is the sacrifice. You know what? It may cost you something to share the gospel. It may cost you friends. There is a downside in the Western world to being a Christian. I don't know if you've noticed that shift. Now it will cost us something. But how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. For it is the answer to the world. It is the answer to the world. The last thing I want to say is this, and then we'll sing a song and worship God, because He is worthy of worship, is that every kingdom has a king, and we have a good king. We have a good king this morning that did not leave us to our own devices, but He was crowned with a crown of thorns. He was lifted up on a cross. He was victorious in death. And now he is seated on a heavenly throne and he rules and he reigns in the hearts and the minds of those who would call him Lord to release them into their plans and the purposes that he has for them. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, can I tell you, he is for you and not against you. For you were created for life, but life is only found in and through the giver and the creator of life. His name is Jesus. For all things were created through Him and in Him and for Him. Are you looking for life this morning? It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. He's a good King. Are you looking for another way to live? It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. Can we stand on our feet this morning, church? Church, I'm just going to pray and then the band's just going to sing and worship and then we'll close the service. If you want prayer, you're more than welcome to come down the front for prayer. But I simply just want to leave you with this challenge. To align yourself with the kingdom that is within you. To live your life aligned with the kingdom that is within you. How do you do that? Live your life with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit. For I believe that if we as the body of Christ across the world could come to a place where we understand that if we simply live with righteousness, peace, and joy, that we would be a city on a hill that could not be hidden. For who lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, but you put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine so other people see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I read some good things that a church has done in the world. I think it's time for the church to rise again and present some new good ideas to the world to adopt. For the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace and joy. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the good news of the kingdom, that there is a good King and He's seated on a heavenly throne and He's more than enough. He's more than that we would ever need in our life. And Lord, I just pray that anyone who is out there who is searching, that they would turn to you this morning for you are full of grace, for you are full of power, for 
you are close to the brokenhearted and you are able to provide every need that is in this place today. Jesus, we ask you to be our Lord afresh. Would you reign in the hearts and the minds of us, your church? Jesus, we love you and we worship you. Lord, would you give us the strength to align ourselves, to align ourselves with your kingdom, with righteousness, peace and joy in Jesus' Name. Come on, church, would you lift your hands and will we worship Jesus again this morning? Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.